I think, you know, it will be great if we can have some finality to the Spectrum auction. Mm. I do think uh, once the Spectrum is allocated, the licenses are issued, we will see major benefits for our economy. It's not just hype that Spectrum is important for an economy. It has very real consequences and benefits. So I'm hoping that uh, however it ends, that, that these licenses are issued as soon as possible. Welcome to the Tech Legal Matters podcast by iAfrican Radio. Since 2015, we at iAfrican.com have been doing research and publishing about significant data breaches and leaks across Africa. Some we have reported on publicly, while others were too sensitive and we simply notified the relevant authorities without publicly reporting on them. During the same period, we have also researched and reported extensively on cybersecurity, privacy, and data protection-related matters across Africa. What we have always observed is that not many people and organizations understand the legal implications of the various technologies that they use. In this podcast, we will explore these topics and more, with a specific focus on the intersection of technology and the law, how that affects you as an individual, but also from a business perspective. New episodes of the Tech Legal Matters podcast will be broadcast every Friday. The podcast will also feature analysis, insights, and commentary from attorneys who specialize in information and communications technology law. Lucian Pierce, thank you for joining us. I mean, we're going to discuss everything uh, Spectrum Auction today. It's lovely for you to join us today. Always a pleasure, but um, it's, uh, it's been a while, but I'm glad that we're chatting again. Definitely. Uh, Lucian, let's start here. What do we need radio frequencies? I mean, we already have radio playing in our cars. We already have, you know, cellular phones that are, you know, for WhatsApp and, and social media. Why do we need more radio frequencies? So what's important to remember, Badang, is that radio frequencies are a limited resource. If you think about your favorite radio station, uh, whether it be Kaya, whether it be 94.7, 702, or wherever you might be across the world. Um, each of those is allocated a little slice of spectrum, which might be indicated by the radio station's uh, frequency. So 94.7 means that radio mm-hmm. station has been given 94.7. So the reason we have frequency and why there is so much um, involvement or concern about it is that because it's so limited, how we use it needs to be carefully planned. So you might know about radio frequencies as far as your radio station is concerned, but the reality is that your garage remote, the radio frequencies that the army might use, that ambulances might use, each of them operate within a particular band. So we've Mm. got to have somebody who organizes those radio frequencies, allocates and licenses them to whoever um, is entitled to them because it's a finite resource. It's not something that you know anybody can use. So you have to regulate it and you have to allocate it carefully. Beautiful. Lucian, let's get into much more depth. Why do governments use an auction system to allocate spectrum in the first place? So that's a good question. And it's in fact quite a, I won't say controversial, but it's one that comes up very often. Now, the reason governments use the auction system is that probably because it is relatively straightforward, uh, it's a lot easier than some of the other processes that are used. And I'll get to that in a minute. But the auction system also brings in a large amount of revenue for the governments as well, because you essentially have uh, various potential licensees, people who want to get this spectrum, 
bidding against each other. So by out trying to outbid each other, they drive the price up of that spectrum that they buy. And of course, all of that goes into the fiscus, i.e. to the government, uh, and hopefully back to you and I in various ways through services or through better telecommunications facilities and that. So auctions are popular because they're relatively straightforward uh, and they bring in a fair amount of revenue. So that's not the only way that uh, spectrum can be licensed. There are other ways, and one of them is called a beauty parade, where basically the regulator, like ICASA, would say, okay, uh, whoever's interested, you submit a bid that will convince me, ICASA, why you are the one who should get a particular amount of spectrum. So it all then comes down to which one looks the most beautiful, i.e. the one that's more likely to succeed, has the best finance, has the best team, the best experience. So that's the one other way that you can actually license spectrum. So it's not just an auction. There are other ways as well. But the auction, as I said, is the one that's likely to bring in the most revenue for a government. No, it makes perfect sense. In 2016, then Telecommunications Minister Siabonga Tuele won a court interdict to prevent ICASA from implementing uh, licensing steps and uh, procedures. This is known as the invitation to apply. Uh, The reason behind that was that uh, ICASA should should wait up until the department has finalized the integrated ICT policy white paper. Uh, and for it to be approved cabinet. Um, Lucian, just, just explain this to us. What is What, what exactly is the invitation uh, to apply application process? So in order to uh, license this very important and limited or finite piece uh, or resource that a country has, it needs to go through a fair and transparent process. You know, it would be terrible if somehow we just found out that somebody or the other had been given the spectrum and we didn't know how it came about, what was paid, how long it took, uh, and how they qualified. So an ITA is basically a a request for proposals, if you want to think of it. It's an invitation to apply. And what happens in the ITA is very clear criteria are set out that the applicants would need to fulfill For example, in South Africa, to have to become a licensee and hold spectrum, you would need to be a South African registered entity. You would need to fulfill minimum BEE requirements as well. So to make the process fair and transparent, the ITA effectively sets out these requirements and these rules. So we as the public know exactly why a particular bidder would have applied and would have succeeded to become shortlisted or included in the process. Lucian, in in a lot of these uh, spectrum litigation cases, There's always the Minister of Communication cited or ICASA. Could you just explain what exactly is the relationship between these two authority bodies? Uh, What's the authority and what's the scope of involvement regarding spectrum? That's a good question, Batang, and it does perplex some people. But the reality is that they are very distinct roles that each of these entities, if I could call it that, play. Now, the Minister of Communications is in charge of formulating policy, for example, how the government is going to achieve certain objectives, whether it be 100% coverage uh, of spectrum across the country so that everybody has broadband, 
or how fast fiber will be rolled out to rural areas or to schools or to hospitals. So the government would develop a policy which is a broad objective. What would then happen is you would have a regulator like, like ICASA, which is tasked with implementing that policy. So they have two very distinct roles. Once the policy has been uh, developed and once the minister has given ICASA a directive or permission to go ahead, it's called a policy direction. Mm, Once the mm. policy direction is, is given, then ICASA is given relative freedom to go about doing this in its own way. Uh, so the minister then has to effectively take a step back and let ICASA run with that process and ultimately uh, license the spectrum or go ahead uh, with, with whatever method it's determined to achieve certain policy objectives. So for all intent and purposes, ICASA is the, is the enforcement body that enforces policy and the sort of political direction that the minister would, would then toss them with. Spot on. So if ICASA in simple terms is the regulator, I don't okay. really like using the term, but, but it polices everyone who makes use of, of right. Spectrum. It polices everyone who has a license to provide electronic communications services, you know, data, if we put it in simple terms, or telephone services. So ICASA is in charge, charge of making sure that everyone complies with the laws that govern that sector. Now, in early 2021, um, there, was, there was a case between um, where, where Telcom and ETV were awarded and acted uh, to stop uh, the spectrum auction uh, that was to take place. Um, the, the reason behind this was that ETV and Telcom said that they argued that uh, assigning spectrum between the 600 megawatts megahertz and 800 megahertz band would directly infringe on the digital migration process that was currently going ahead. And that case, uh, the digital migration that ETV was taking in Castle was still in uh, adjudication in the Pretoria High Court. Now, to understand what was going on here, uh, Lucia, I just want to understand what is the difference between digital migration process and spectrum auction? And what is the differences between those two? Okay, that's an important one because it does create some confusion. You'll remember, Badang, I said at the beginning that you had different types of services that operated in different frequency bands. Yes. So we have a law or regulations in the country, radio frequency uh, regulations, that say this particular range of frequencies will be used for radio. This might mm. be used for aviation. This might be used for cellular phone companies to offer data. Now, what has happened is that over time, everyone has discovered or scientists have discovered that you can more effectively use spectrum. So take that 94.7 uh, radio station frequency that I gave an example of earlier. Mm -hmm. That you just have one radio station operating on 94.7. But since technology has improved, we are now able to broadcast 12 radio stations on that same little piece, 94.7. Mm, so the governments that. have decided, yeah, governments have decided that they can use frequency more effectively. And what okay. they're now doing is they are moving radio stations and broadcasters from the frequencies that they currently use to other frequencies. And that is what it, why it's called digital migration because migration exactly, exactly. They will be able to use frequencies in other uh, bands and we will take these more efficient, if I could call it that frequencies that they currently use 
and we can use it for many more uh, purposes. Now, before that, anyone else can use what the radio stations and the broadcasters currently use, they need to be moved somewhere else because it would be unfair to move them and not give them new frequencies. So that's what ETV, for example, is saying. It's saying, hang on, you can't just move me. The process hasn't been properly completed. Mm. And Telcom took the same argument saying, look, how can you have a spectrum auction where you're going to give these frequencies that the radio stations and the television broadcasters are currently using? How can you auction it off when you haven't even moved them away? So that was the argument that ETV and Telcom used to say it doesn't make sense to have a spectrum auction before you've finished digital migration. In other words, moving the broadcasters to other frequencies. Right. But now, Lucian, here's a legal dilemma. Uh, because has auctioned off these, you know, uh, uh, sub one gigahertz spectrum that, that was contested by ETV, right? But then, you know, ETV and telecoms application, uh, application review to review, you know, ICASA's decision to auction these sub one gigahertz spectrum will only be heard during um, uh, April. Now, in your legal opinion, should ICASA have waited and excluded the, these categories of, of spectrum up until the court process is unfolded? Because I foresee a sort of legal jackknife happening here. That's a worry that a lot of people have that, um, and perhaps I can explain how Telcom has brought the court process Please. that it started. So it issued court papers in January of this year, and uh, it's a bit of a legal um, sort of argument, I suppose, or re- legal strategy. But what Telcom did was its court case, if I could lay, use layperson's lay terms, was divided into two parts. The first part, we call it part A, was where Telcom wanted to go to court very, very urgently and ask the court to completely stop the auction process. Now, that wasn't going to be a permanent stop because Telcom then had something called part B. And while if they were successful to get the courts to stop the entire auction process, they would then have a more detailed process called a review, where the court would then, with a little more time, look at what ICASA had done and decide whether, in fact, ICASA was right and rational in the process it had set up for the auction. If so, then the court was going to say, hang on, uh, Telcom, I'm lifting that interdict or the suspension of the process and I'm allowing it to proceed. However, if Telcom was proved to be correct, then the court would permanently stop the process from proceeding and ICASA would have to start afresh. So that's basically the legal strategy and the legal approach that um, was taken uh, by Telcom and by ETB. But now in in your legal prediction, how do you see this matter unfolding? I'm actually involved in the matter, which which okay. uh, make, makes it <laughs> difficult. I'm I'm representing one of the respondents in uh, the matter, um, so I'm not going to make a prediction. But what's interesting uh, and what is public knowledge is yesterday, and I still haven't seen the judgment itself because a uh, decision was taken quite late. From news reports, I see that ETV's application, the one that you've been talking about, I won't say was dismissed because I haven't seen the judgment itself, but it seems like the court have said to ETV, hang on, what ICASA is doing seems to make sense. However, the digital migration process actually was supposed to be finished in two days' time on the 31st mm-hmm. of March. But what the court has said is, okay, ETV, um, for various reasons, we will extend the process until the end of, I think it's either June or June, July. Yeah. 
but the entire court case of opposing it and trying to stop Ikasa from proceeding uh, was not successful on ETV's part. So essentially, it bought itself a few more months to use the spectrum that it currently has. So I suppose you could call it a victory of sorts for the minister who was the main respondent or defendant, if you want to use layperson's terms in the matter. So basically, the process is going to be allowed to proceed the whole digital migration process um, and Andy Cass's auction thus far. I want to come to this point because it's a point that a lot of telecom companies were using as one of the legal disputes, uh, the, the, the issue of competition. Now, one of telecom's legal disputes was that the way the auction was structured would uh, entrench dominance of its rivals uh, being MTN and Vodacom. And, you know, with the same breath, MTN in their papers to the North Gauteng High Court, it said that now, the way the regulator was intending to go about licensing, you know, the 3.5 gigahertz spectrum, it would result in tier one operators being sidelined in the auction. Now, what are the com- competition requirements uh, that must be considered when undertaking a spectrum auction? So this is a really, it can get quite complex once you get into the competition aspects of an auction process like this. Essentially, what the argument is that if the auction is not set up in a particular way that helps smaller operators to improve their capacity and their ability to provide services, then what will happen is that you simply make the existing stronger players, um, Mm. the Vodacoms and the MTNs, you give them more spectrum, you give them more power. And ultimately what happens is they're they're just simply able to steamroll over smaller competitors. So what the argument is, is that you must put certain, take certain steps to give more power and to, to craft the auction process or plan the auction process such that It skewed might be the wrong term, but such that it's skewed or allows for more spectrum to be allocated to the smaller players to give them a better chance to compete against the bigger existing players. And that's the argument that Telcom raised, for example. It it raised a number of competition-related aspects, such as the fact that 700 and 800 uh, megahertz spectrum. It should be easier for smaller players to get that um, and that there should be other mechanisms to allow those smaller players to get more spectrum as well, to make the playing field a little more leveled when it comes to the bigger players. So so that was, you know, broadly speaking, the competition aspect or argument that, that Telcom and others raised. Um, you know, there are other angles to it. For example, the act that regulates ICASA or the Electronic Communications Act, it talks about ICASA needing to, to look at competition in the way it goes about regulating the sector. And Telcom said, look, ICASA didn't do that sufficiently enough for this particular process. So there were various competition arguments that were were raised by the other parties. But but, uh, ICASA, for example, contended that it had done sufficient uh, work as far as uh, competition was concerned. It brought in experts in the competition sector, um, a a well-known company called ICASA, uh, Acacia, produced reports for it. And its view was that those reports allowed it to take into account competition matters in the way that it created and crafted that final ITA. So ICASA's argument was, we've taken competition into account. We are confident that the way this auction will happen will allow smaller players to have a better opportunity to compete against the bigger players. Lucian, in your experience, are these competition uh, arguments, are they tactics by telecoms to delay 
or, or get an upper hand in, in spectrum auctions? Or is it generally about, uh, you know, does it mean cheaper data prices for, for us, the consumers? Some arguments I do think have, have merit. I think where the most genuine, I'm not saying that the, the operators don't have genuine competition arguments, the, the most genuine and consumer focused arguments generally will come from organizations or institutions like the Competition Commission. In 2019, the Competition Commission released a report that dealt with competition in data services. It was an intensive and in-depth report, and its recommendations were very, very helpful to consumers. If you read that report, you'll see that it actually imposed obligations on the main um, cell phone companies, cell phone licensees, to reduce their data prices over a period of time, a staggered Mm. reduction, which is why you would have seen over the past two years, data prices have come down substantially. I'm not saying that they didn't, to a certain extent, do it on their own, of their own volition, but they were also obliged by the Competition Commission to reduce their data costs or else, and I'll leave it at that, or else the data, the Competition Commission would have taken further action against them. Um, so, so yes, to a certain extent, the arguments that are raised in litigation like this might have some merit, but I think where the real consumer-centric arguments or consumer-focused arguments uh, come up is when you have organizations like the Competition Commission, which have commi- uh, consumers' interests uh, fully you know, in, in focus. Lucian, thank you so much for bringing a wealth of knowledge uh, regarding you know, understanding these spectrum uh, litigation and cases. Do you have any closing remarks? Well, I think, you know, it will be great if we can have some some finality to the spectrum auction. Mm. I do think uh, once the spectrum is allocated, the licenses are issued, we will see major benefits for our economy. It's not just hype that spectrum is important for an economy. It has very real consequences and benefits. So I'm hoping that uh, however it ends, that, that these licenses are issued as soon as possible. Lucian Pierce from PPM Attorneys, thank you so much. I am your host, Badan Khatsapad. Remember to tell your friends, family and colleagues that the show is available to listen for free on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Deezer, or any other app that you use to listen to podcasts. Also, make sure to head over to www.iafrican.com forward slash radio. That is www.iafrican.com forward slash radio and subscribe to get notified on new episodes of the Tech Legal Matters podcast and any other iAfrican radio shows. Stay safe on the web.